0: Let us pray. Gracious Father, once again we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing of having it. We thank you for uh, the blessing to be able to read it and to understand some things within it. We know that it is so deep that we cannot plumb the depth, and it is so broad that we cannot reach the sides, nor can we scale the height thereof. We do not know what we shall be, but we know that when we see our Lord, we shall be like Him. But we also know that we will not have infinite knowledge as he does and believe that we shall verily be studying and learning of you in eternity. That is incomprehensible. But it is something that we anticipate. And delight to think about living in a state of total satisfaction and being satisfied, fully complete in Christ. Now, help us as we study your word that we might learn a few things and that we might be able to hide those things in our heart that we might live more soberly, righteously and godly as we dwell in this low ground of sin and sorrow. We ask in Jesus' name Amen. Coming back to chapter 5. We take up this next part in this verses 13 through 15 with regard to the fulfillment of the law. He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And we uh, made uh, quite a few comments with with regarding the first part of that verse when we looked at verse 5. Verse 4 For the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So while we have the liberty, this Christian liberty, as we pointed out at the beginning of the chapter, there is no excuse to use this liberty to feed the flesh. The one, the word for occasion, where he says, "There, uh, brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only uh, use not liberty for an occasion." To the flesh, the word occasion there means literally a starting point. In other words, we should never allow flesh to get a start, we should not allow something to come into our life. That will grow and grow and grow as we live upon this earth to bring forth the flowers of sin from the seeds that are sown at first. Often when someone gives way to the desires of the flesh, they do not intend to go into open rebellion with God. David, when he went on the housetop, instead of going into battle, never dreamed that when he first went up there, because he couldn't sleep at night, Of the consequences. That was going to take place. Later on. Abraham when he. Left ur Chaldee And made. A league. Or. He and Sarah agreed that. Wherever they went. He would. She would tell everybody. That she was his. Sister, instead of his husband, I don't think Abraham thought that things would go as far as they did. Often when an individual commits a sin, when they first uh, are acquainted or become indulged in the sin, little do they think that is going to lead to the end results that oftentimes it does. When a child sometimes is raised in a goodly environment and he takes Profanity upon his lips. When he first does it, he doesn't realize the end result. Generally, when this happens, when it first, when he first uh, speaks ill-advisedly with his tongue. He kindly recoils at it. It scares him. Causes him to feel a certain way that he really knows that it's wrong. But as he continues to practice the particular sin, it's not too long till he can say all sorts of wicked things and it not bother his conscience whatsoever. I remember as a child, I really don't remember the first time, But I remember as a child being influenced by other children. I'm trying to speak in such a way that I don't give way uh, uh, because I don't need to name names or anything of that nature. But at first, uh, I was caught up into Smoking grape vines, I don't know that this modern generation would have any idea what that's all about, but you would get a small part of the grape, the vine of the grape, and you could light it up and and smoke it. It wouldn't be too much longer that I would be smoking crushed up leaves wrapped up in newspapers. And eventually it would graduate to cigarettes. But the point is, uh, when you first started out, it kind of made you sick. But after you got used to it, after a while, it, it went on to where uh, you could smoke and it not bother you whatsoever. And... Uh, Sadly, in my case, uh, my smoking habit ran into thievery because I would steal packs of cigarettes out of the cartons of my father thinking that I was getting by with it by uh, sliding the the packs of cigarettes up to the front where he wouldn't think that there was a gap behind but it didn't take too long till he caught up with me and, uh, and brought me uh, confronted me with it. But I, I use all of that not for bragging rights or to uh, say anything, but to show the wickedness and sinfulness of my heart, but to let it be known that at first, You know, you you didn't think much about it. But I used those occasions, those starting points, and they would eventually lead to uh, more intensified sins to the point that it didn't really bother you. The only thing that really bothered me was I didn't want to get caught by my parents. And eventually when they confronted me with it, uh, uh, I remember as if it was yesterday. I don't guess I'll ever will remember forget that occasion. was sitting in the living room with my mother and my father. And my dad said, well, if you're going to smoke, you might as well smoke in front of us. And quit sneaking around and hiding behind our backs. I was 15 at that time. And finally, it didn't, I, I mean, I really, really, really had a struggling match with myself of getting that first cigarette out of the cigarette pack and lighting it up in front of my mother and father. That was a hard thing for me to do. But I figured if I was going to do it, I'd do it. But I mean, it was a starting point, and it really—it was hard. But after a few days, it wasn't hard at all. I was used to it. They were used to it. I can imagine how red my face—you know, those of you that know me—so know. Know that my face sometimes gets red. And I don't even know it, and I'm not even embarrassed or anything. It just uh, it just gets red sometimes, and uh, but I I know my face was red that day. I could feel it. Well, sin is like that. Hebrews tells us that we're to avoid the sin because it is pleasurable. For a season. It's pleasurable for a season. Well, let us not use our Christian liberty. You know, sometimes we might be like David. You know, David was told by the Lord and by Samuel that someday he would be king. And Saul would no longer be around and David would be the king. But time and time and time again, David was running from Saul and David was afraid and he said, I'm just going to perish by the hand of Saul. In other words, he had forgotten what God had said. God said, you're going to be king. And one time David was so afraid of Saul, he went and, well, no, I think it was two, two times, he went and joined himself to the Philistines to escape the hand of Saul. Well, he used those, uh, he used those, uh, I mean, he was told that he was going to be delivered, and yet he would, did not believe God. How often are we like David? And we... Uh, doubt God and, and doubt uh, doubt our beliefs and believe our, uh, our doubts. And so we do, do not need to take this liberty that God has given us and say, well, uh, you know, I did this once before and God let me off the hook and I got by. Maybe I can do it again. No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to use the liberty because God may have uh, pulled you out of one situation, doesn't mean that you need to go back to another. When punishment for crime, along the same line, when punishment for crime is ignored, open rebellion and riot is the fruit. When punishment for crime is ignored. I was reading uh, this past week a little book that I had read before by R. L. Dabney. It was a series of lectures that he gave uh, with with regard to Christ being our penal substitute for sin. And it was a series of lectures actually that he gave after he went blind. I mean, it's amazing how uh, disciplined his mind was and how clear and logical his thinking could be delivering this uh, theological dissertation without sight. But he pointed out some of the uh, consistencies of the legal system of how it would be improper for a judge to not persecute or not sentence to the punishment due to a criminal act. And I wrote something in the margin to the effect wonder what Dabney would think today because we have judges on the right hand and on the left hand just letting people off for all kinds of criminal acts. And what happens? What happens when they do that? Those Those criminals get back on the street and intensify their criminality. I remember back in the 60s reading a letter from uh, a man that had written into this magazine and he was in jail and he was in jail for murder but he said the uh, previous to the 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 state that he was in i think they had abolished the uh, the death penalty for this particular sin of murder this was when they first started abolishing the death penalty here in in America. And he said if he had known that he was going to be uh, 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 killed uh, for committing murder, he wouldn't have done it. But he figured he'd get off, and so he did it. That's what Paul is saying here. That we are not to take occasion, use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But we are to love one another. Years ago, the movie and TV industry would make small innuendos against the teaching of the Holy Scriptures especially regarding sin, the authority, home, God, and other clear truths taught in the Bible. But today it is open season. You know, used to even Hollywood had their own rules that The word hell could not be used in any of their movies and any of their uh, 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 TV shows and things of that nature. Well, (laughs) that's nothing compared to what is sent today. In other words, they took occasion. But what is the fulfillment of the law? It's love. Love. He says, for, uh, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Scriptural love. Scriptural love is misunderstood today. The fleshly lust portrayed by Hollywood is not love. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do what Hollywood portrays as love. Now, feeling follows scriptural love. But scriptural love does not start with Feeling. God loved us, His children, before the world was. How was that love displayed before we were ever created? It was displayed in His election. And giving us to Christ. There was an action. You all have heard me say this more than once. And the Lord willing we will say a whole lot more about it in the future. I'll give you a sneak preview unless God changes my mind. When I'm finished with the book of Galatians I'm planning on preaching through 1 John. We're going to find there's not a more searching, heart-searching book in the Bible than First John. But anyway, y'all have heard me use what I'm fixing to use uh, now about love to show that God's love is not a feeling first, but it is an action. And by the way, there's two Greek words for love uh, that's in the Bible. One is agape, the other is phileo. And the idea that's found uh, in First John, by the way, uh, the verb for love, for agape, the word for love, the, the, the verb for love, Is used more than the noun for love. That will tell you something right there. But what does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that He felt good. God so loved the world that He wanted something. God so loved the world that He what? Gave. His only begotten Son. See, love is an action. We saw it in Galatians two twenty, where it said that, where Paul said, "God that Christ loved me and gave Himself for me." How do I know that God loves me? He gave me Christ, and He gave me to Christ. And I know that Christ loved me. He died for me. You see, we know the love of Christ by what He did, not by what we feel. It says in Ephesians 5 and 25 that Christ loved the congregation and gave Himself for it. So love is an action... Um, Excuse me, loving God, if we're going to love God, loving God is an action seen in obedience. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I know I've stated this, what I'm about to say to this congregation many, many times. Hopefully there'll be somebody out there in the uh, internet world that maybe they haven't heard this before. But in John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If ye love Me, keep My commandments. You know a child that says they love their parents, but they never obey them. They don't love them. They may have some feelings for them, But they don't love them. For if they did, they would obey them. They would obey them. I know that I love my children. Because I know that I have done and will do for them whatever I can when they are in need. I know that because I've done that. I will not compromise my belief. But I have proven my love to them more than once. Whether they ever admit it or not. You see, I don't have to have my children's approval to know that I love them. Now, I could be deceived, but I think I can prove otherwise. And if I am living, not that I live perfectly and without any sin, but if my life is structured in such a way that I am obeying the commands of God, then I know that I love Him. Somebody say, well, do you love Him like you ought to? No. Do you love Him perfectly? No. And yes, I think I love Him materially. That is, in a mature way. But I don't love Him perfectly in the sense that I always do everything that He wants me to do. I'm a sinner. You are too. And First John says, if I say that I'm not a sinner, I'm a liar. But if you love me, keep my commandments. You, I can ask you, And if you don't have any false humility about you, I can ask you, do you love God based on this verse of Scripture? And you can either say intelligently yes or no. Because you know how you live and how you try to live. Drop down to verse 21. Still in John 14. He that hath My commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth Me, and he that loveth Me shall be loved of My Father, and I will love him and will manifest Myself to him. Now, I don't care how you feel. Some days you feel your sins in a more sensitive way than you do at other days. Some days you may get up and something you haven't even thought of for years may haunt you. And you might even physically shed tears about that and realize how wicked and sinful it was. But other days you may get up and not even think about it, or if you do think about it, it not bother you. But whether it bothers you or not, if you have the commandments of God and you are keeping them, you know that God loves you and you know that Christ loves you regardless of how you feel. Does that make sense? That's what it's saying here. Notice what it says again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me, loveth me, And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love Him, and will manifest myself to Him. So how you live is indicative of whether you love God and He loves you. And you may feel guilty for your sin one day and may not for that same sin at another day, but you can still know no matter how you feel, you know that God loves you and you love Him. Because you are trying and you are, most of your life is lived in such a way that you're, you're keeping the commandments of God. Going in verse 22, Judas saith unto him, not as carrot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? How is He going to manifest Himself? Is He going to come to you in a, in a great blinding light? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love Me, he will keep My words. And My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth Me not keepeth not My sayings, and the word which ye hear is not Mine, but the Father's which hath sent Me. In other words, if you're living... Well, let me rephrase that. If the commandments and the teachings of the Word of God is how you try to live your life, then based on the Word of God, You love God and He loves you and He is abiding in you and abiding with you and He is leading and guiding you. In other words, this love of God is action, not feeling. It's action and not feeling. Feelings come from action. The scripture says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. When a man is loving his wife, in other words, when, when he is treating his wife like the scriptures tells him to treat her and so on, the more he's around his wife and the more he's treating his wife that way, uh, the more he's going to be feeling good toward her. And she him. Provided both of them are Christian. Obviously. Look in 1 John chapter 5. First John. Chapter five. Verse three. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. If trying to obey the law, if trying to obey the commandments, the Word of God, the teachings of God, if it's a hard labor for you, and it's grievous, and it just wears you out, you're still under the law. But if you enjoy Telling the truth. If you enjoy. The house of God. And the the Lord's day. If you enjoy. Living a life of purity. If you enjoy not coveting. If you enjoy doing what God's Word says. In other words, the commandments are not grievous and you're trying to keep them. That's the love of God. Love can be performed when feeling is absent. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Love can be performed when the feeling is absent. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love my enemies, how can I? Bless them that curse you. When's the last time you blessed someone that did you wrong? You said, well, I didn't like what they did. It didn't say whether you liked it or not. See, you could still bless them even if you don't like them. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Do you sit before the evening news and see all of the injustices that are going on? And do you sit there and chew them out when they don't hear a word you're saying? Or have you ever prayed for them? Have you ever shown love toward them? I didn't say that you liked what they did, I didn't say that you liked them. 44 again, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So see, you can perform love On people that you don't like or on people that you don't feel good toward them. This is kindly a a balance, is it not to what we studied this morning? Kindly a balance, isn't it? You see, we don't want to bite and devour one another. We want to maintain truth. We want to cut off those that are against the truth. But we don't want to be consumed with hatred. We want to be consumed with love. That's not always easy to do. Christian liberty is fulfilled when we exercise Christian love toward God and man. It is not following the feelings of the flesh. See, someone that's all, all, someone that's my buddy, my friend's always there in the corner for me and does everything I like. I don't have any problem being a, friend of his do I I don't have any problem uh, loving him but he that does me wrong speaks ill against me and if he could he would persecute me what am I to do Well, I'll show him. No. We're to do good. Obviously, we can't do injustice. We must do right and just. If someone is. uh, Well, I, I couldn't always use that. That example. Uh. If the the law is broken and the person if a person has committed murder by letting that murderer go free is not loving him. Likewise a parent who has a child that is disobeying and the parent does not discipline the child properly, that parent doesn't love the child. They only love themselves. If they love the child, they'll do what's right by the child and discipline the child. If my enemy is in need, sickness, tragedy, whatever, I am to assist him if providentially he is brought in my path. I'm not going to take the time to turn there, but you know the story of the Good Samaritan. The Jew was on his way from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and he was half dead. Here comes along a a Jewish brother. I forget which one was first, but I'll pick out one of them. the 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 the, the uh, I think it was the priest. Might have been the Levite. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. I will take the time. Luke chapter 10. Verses 25 through 37. The priest came first, verse 31. And I like, uh, and I'm going to borrow Brother Wallace's rendition of that. Brother Wallace always had a good way of bringing things down to earth. But here this Jew had fallen among thieves and left half for dead. And here come the the priest. Here come the preacher. He's on his way to his preaching appointment. And what did he do? He saw his fellow Jew, but he went on the other side of the street and pretended like he didn't see him and went on his way. That priest was busy doing his priestly functions, but he didn't stop to help his neighbor. He didn't stop to help a fellow Jew. And then here came the Levite. Brother Wallace used that as the deacon. Here come the deacon alone. He's doing his deacon business. But what did he do? He came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The deacon actually looked at him and then went across the street. The priest just kindly passed on by as if he didn't see him. But then here came this Jew's enemy, the, the Samaritan, half Jew, half Gentile, an outcast. You remember the Jews when they were in Jerusalem? If they wanted to go to Galilee, they'd cross the Jordan River, go up on the other side, and come back. They wouldn't go through Samarita, Samaria, they didn't want to get dirty. but this this man that left jerusalem and going to jericho he was in the providence in the providence of god he was brought to the priest and to the levite and they wouldn't do anything but the samaritan did and jesus said in verse 36 which now of these three priest, the Levite, the Samaritan. Which one of these three thinketh thou was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy to him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You see, the Jew and the Levite might say back in Jerusalem, here's my brother Jew. But when he fell among thieves, they didn't have time to take care of him. They might say, I love you. But they proved they didn't love him at all. That Samaritan, whom that Jew wouldn't wipe his feet on, took care of him. He was his neighbor. He loved him. He loved him. It didn't say the Samaritan felt good about the Jew, did it? It didn't say that the Samaritan liked the Jew, did he? It just said, verse 33, The Samaritan, as he journeyed, came there where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said, This man I really like and I feel good toward him. Didn't say anything anything about that, did he? Said just take care of him. And if there's any more that needs to be, I need to give you any more money when I come back by, I'll I'll pay you. See, it didn't say anything about the Samaritan liking the Jew or the Jew liking the Samaritan. Didn't say anything about the Samaritan feeling good towards the Jew or the Jew towards the Samaritan. But he proved who the neighbor was. He showed love. And so on the heels of Paul's sarcastic statement that we looked at this morning in verse 12. Paul follows that up with an exhortation to love. It appears Paul was using sarcasm to exhort the saints at Galatia to exercise love. Take heed that you, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. When people are not showing love biblically, it's like a bunch of dogs trying to chew each other up. Not a pretty sight, is it? But Paul uses sarcasm again here in this verse to teach love. To teach love. Beloved, may God bless us to learn from this. I can assure you, unless you are a whole, 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 whole lot better than I am, I can assure you, you'll need this lesson again before you die. Maybe before you go to bed tonight. Because we could be around each other and somebody say something that we don't like, And we just fly off the handle. That's not showing love, is it? Well, I didn't like what they said. Well, what did they say? Well, they said such and such. Was it right? Well, I don't think so. Well, were they persecuting you? Well, it sure seems like that. Well, pray for them. That's what Matthew 5 said, wasn't it? Didn't say get back at them. Didn't say bite and devour one another. I even have arguments with myself sometimes. (laughs) I used to wonder about that, about talking to myself, till I found out that David did too. David said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. See, we can talk to ourselves and do good. Just because you talk to yourself doesn't mean you're crazy. We might not talk to ourselves and still be crazy. (laughs) But anyway, I think you get get the message. Well, we've got a larger uh, lesson, Lord willing, next time we're going to learn what it is to walk in the Spirit. Would you like to know whether you're walking in the Spirit or not? God willing, I'm going to teach you. And you can know whether you're walking in the Spirit or not. And I can tell you this, based on what we've already seen so far, so far, it won't have... it. Uh, It won't be based on your feelings. And some of the things that we've already said, we're saying, again, it'll be repetitive, but you need to see it from this angle. Walking in the Spirit is not guesswork. Walking in the Spirit is not some Emotional, electric charge that is pulsating through your body or your soul is more concrete than that, as we shall see, Lord willing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the clarity therein. There's much we do not understand. But frankly, my Father, what gives us the most trouble is what we do understand. Thank you there is forgiveness of sin, but let us not use that as an occasion, a starting point to the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen.